What a beautiful song. Holy, holy, holy. In Spanish, holy is santo. And um, as I was singing that song, I was thinking, well, it's true. All the angels are saying holy as we are together. And that's exciting. And we are excited. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you are excited to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Ooh, there's the Lord right there. <laughs> He's saying amen. If we don't say it, you know. So, uh, we are excited about this new series, and we're praying, and I hope you'll pray for uh, our pastor, uh, Brother Drew, and his family. And uh, we're in an interesting time, but um, I believe the Lord is uh, demanding things from us. He will expect things from us, and, um, you know, um, we always think we, you know, we continue to to work, we continue to do things. Um, I think this is a special time. Um, it will test our faith. It will test our love for the Lord. And um, um, but we are excited to be here. And my name is Elvis Garcia. If you don't know me, and if you're watching us online, uh, welcome again. We're, ex- we're starting a new series, and today the subject is we're talking about multiplication. And I love that subject because that's the a heartbeat of my life. Um, the Lord called me uh, in a very young age, and from our time in Guatemala, we have been working to uh, multiply disciples and to multiply churches, and uh, the Lord moved us here to do the same. And now we have the privilege to serve not only here as one of the pastors, but also uh, with our uh, missions organization, the Baptist Missionary. Association of America. As in an introduction, I want to tell you, uh, the Lord is giving me the privilege to uh, coordinate the Hispanic ministry in all the United States. And uh, our goal is to uh, at least put a guy with a multiplication mentality in, 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 in the largest cities in North America. And right now we're focused on the largest, the first 10 largest cities in the United States. And a couple of weeks ago, we were in Waxahachie, you know. I tell you, I pronounce that better now, like Waxahachie, you know. Like wax with the hachie, you know. And so, <laughs> and um, the, Lord allowed, the Lord has given us the privilege to start sending guys. And we were able to, uh, we, we were able to send a guy to um, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, to start Hispanic churches there, and we are also uh, praying for a family that is going to go to the state of California to start churches, and we have another family who is going to go to Oklahoma to start churches, and we have a church who has joined or work in Orlando, Florida, and it's a Hispanic church, and so uh, the Lord start uh, to move and open doors in, in the United States, but let me tell you, as more and more I speak with Hispanic pastors who have been here for a long time, this is what they told me. We talk and they say, Brother Elvis, our kids have born here. This country has blessed us amazingly. We have served the Lord here and our families have been blessed. And they told me, we have to do something. We have to win back this country for Christ. We have to do something. And this is coming from people who hasn't born here. 
but are they they understand that they they have acknowledged the privilege and and uh, and and they're grateful to be here and they you know and I have so much great conversation with Hispanic pastors who have lived here 10 15 years and I, that that same thing continues to resound we have to win this country to Jesus Christ and um but you know what my brothers and sisters I'm hearing that from Hispanics. I don't hear that too much from Anglos. I don't like to, to say that, but I think it's the appropriate way to say it. I hear a lot about, you know, all kinds of different subjects, but it looks like, it looks like, it feels like then this country is slowly, slowly uh, going uh, uh, you know, uh, more becoming more um, materialistic and, and more sinful, and it, it feels like we don't care. So I'm so excited about this series because, you know, it's so much we can talk about multiplication. I'm just going to say some things, and we have learned over the years. Uh, whatever we're going to learn today is. Uh, Things that I have learned over the years, the Lord moved us to Mississippi in 2003, uh, and we left around 11 years later. And the Lord allowed us to uh, uh, do great things through Him there, and um, we were able to start four churches in the north part of the state, and four other uh, as, as a partnership with other church and. Uh, we were able to put at least one main guy in the main cities in that state. So um, experience that, I, I can tell you, uh, it's possible to do it. If we want, we can do it. If we know how to do things, and definitely we have to start with the Great Commission, Matthew 28. I'm sure you know that verse from, from heart, you know. I hope you know it by heart, you know. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go therefore. And what it says, make disciples to all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you every day until the end of the world. Amen. And then, you know, but the commission doesn't end there in Acts. Luke also tells us another part of the Great Commission. Acts 1.8. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So definitely it's, it's so clear that this is, not a, this is not an event, right? Jesus, you know, the, the, the last words that Jesus tells us, I'm sure they were important. You know, I was thinking, what, what will be the last words I would like uh, for somebody to say in my funeral? You know, uh, you know, the last words of somebody are very important. And, you know, you know, Jesus is alive and he's happy that, that we're worshiping him today. But his last words on earth were like, you know, I'm going to give you a process. This is not like a one-time event. And Matthew 28 tells us what to do. You know, we have to. We have to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And I believe Acts 1.8 also tells us the, the um, you know, tell us where to do it. 
Because we easily can say, brother, I want to go to another country and win the loss there. But my neighbor is lost. Right? Oh, I want to go to North Little Rock. But my neighbor is, a lot, there's a lot of unbelievers. So Acts 1.8 tells us, you know, you have to start where you live. And then continue to expand. You know, it's, it's the process. It's not an event. It's the process. And so God wants you to grow and to multiply. And um, he wants us to learn and he wants us to understand that. And first of all, to be multiplication, we have to start with prayer. You know, to be multiplication, we have to start with prayer. And um, Acts 12, 1 to 5, tell us, um, and I don't know if we can, yes, you know. Brother Naum is awesome, you know, he's the magic there in the computer. Acts 12, Acts 12, 1 through 5 says, And that same time, King Herod laid hands on some of the church to mystery. A lot of things were happening, were happening, bad things in the church. Well, as I was reading this, this little scripture, you know, it kind of sounds like a little bit of, maybe not as bad as this time, but some kind of, you know. First, King Herod took some from them to, to, to harm them. And then verse 2 says, and I'm sure you're watching me. I, I, I hope you're following the scripture or you're watching it on the screen or you're watching it on your phone. Because if not, you're going to start praying. You're going to start calling the preacher, right? You're going to start like, you know. So I don't want nobody to calling me, you know, because I will go wherever you are. And so um, verse 2 says, and then he killed James, John's brother with a sword. Hey, that's horrible. Verse 3, and, seek, and seeing that this had pleased the Jews, he proceeded to see Peter also, you know, it was then the days of unleavened bread. And having taken him prisoner, he put him in prison and gave him a group of soldiers. But a lot of, many difficult things had happened in here. You know, he killed Jacob, imprisoned Peter, and, uh, and you know, the reason, and the Bible tells us that he, 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 the, the youth were glad. I don't know if his intention was later to release them to the youth. And, you know, and probably something like, like what we learned and happened with Paul. You know, they're probably going to either judge him or, or kill him or something. But something happened as all this trouble was developing. You know, verse 5 is very important. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church... What it says, the church what? Was crying. The church were worried, right? No, right? The church was praying, you know? And I hope we're doing the same, amen? I hope when troubles come, I hope when this new delta and all these new things are coming, I, I, I hope we're praying and, and put everything in the hands of the Lord. There's power in prayer. You know, we don't use it because we either don't believe it or we haven't experienced the power of prayer. Um, but the church were praying unceasingly, without stopping. Sometimes we quit too quick, right? Oh, well, I'm going to pray for something and then I'll forget about it. This is not going to answer me. This church was praying unceasingly to God for uh, Peter. So if, it's gonna ha if, if multiplication is going to happen, we have to put all our plans. 
and all our desires. Um, there's one small group book that I read many years ago. And this book says, when you have a small group, put always an empty chair. And always remember, make the group remember, make the group realize that that empty chair, that empty chair um, signifies somebody who shouldn't be there. Somebody that we make, we make, we, we need to invite, we need to uh, disciple, we need to tell them about Jesus. Well, we have plenty of those here. And we have to start praying for our friends. We have to start praying to the Lord. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says, Jesus went about all cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all sickness and all disease among the people. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Because they were helpless and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, indeed, the harvest is great. The labors are few. And Jesus tells us some magic. It's not really magic, right? But something that works. He says, are you with me? He says, what? There's just two or three who, you know, he says, what, church? Pray. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say pray for more churches. And you know, um, I, I, I love to start churches, and 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 that's one of the uh, one of the great things in my heart. But he says pray for people. Pray for you. Pray for somebody that will answer the call of the Lord and says, here I am, Lord, please send me. So uh, when somebody says, you know, you know it's, it's good, we have to pray for more churches, but churches are going to start by themselves. Jesus says, pray for the Lord to send workers, to send people. Egocentric people only care about themselves. They'll pray, I, 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 please Jesus, give me, 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 me. What's the name of that? You know, now that I say me, me, me. There was a, there was a little moped. How many of you watch the Muppets? I hope, you know, we're kind of same age, amen, you know. And there was a, there was a, there was a scientific and he have a, a helper. What was the name of that? Me, 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 me. Be beaker? Yes. Well, sometimes we pray the beaker prayer, right? I hope you don't forget that, you know. So we, we, we only pray the beaker prayer. Me, 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 me. Right? I'm saying verdad in Spanish, you know. <laughs> uh, we, only play, we only pray, please, Lord, bless me, give me. Take care of me. Cover me. We are all beakers. And um, Christ-centric people will care about others. So I'm hoping that your prayer, you know, you will be the last to ask for things. When you're the last, sometimes you even forget to ask for things for you. 
when you start worshiping the Lord and then you start asking for forgiveness and then you start um, interceding for others and asking for others, most of the time I forget about myself. Uh, God's work needs the prayer of, of us, church, and there's a lot of a spiritual opposition in the world. And only your prayers and our prayers will open the doors for the gospel and will open the doors for multiplication. Um, we have to start with praying. I'm, I'm, I hope you don't feel comfortable with those empty chairs here. So I'm hoping you pray. You know, it'll be good to uh, assign each, each city group a, a chair and let's start praying for each one of these chairs. You know, we have to, we have to, because most of the time, we, we try not to see that, you know. It's like, yeah, we're small, but we're faithful. And, you know, um, and that takes us to number two. Because for multiplication, we have to have an attitude for growing. We, we need to want that. Uh, multiplication is growth. Multiplication is not addition. You know, um, and, you know, we're not talking about exponential multiplication, you know. That's another monster. It, this is simple, but we must start somewhere. You have to believe without any doubt, without any doubt in your heart that God wants your church to grow. He, 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 that's the heart of Jesus. He wants the lost to be saved. And um, we don't have to excuse ourselves if it doesn't happen. We just have to face it and fix it. Because the more we don't, we don't, we don't face that, the more people are going to hell. And the, more, you know, and, and, and the less we care. We must have a divine discomfort uh, of who we are and, you know, for what, one, what we want to do or be. If God wants your, our church to grow, and if you want South City to grow, so what's the issue? If he wants to, for us to grow, and if you want to grow, well, let's, you know, uh, what's the problem? You know, and I, I need you to follow me in these scriptures very quick. And uh, if somebody is sleeping, you can poke them in the face. It's okay. I give you permission, you know. The eyes, you know, the ear. Um, it's okay. Uh, again, I don't want nobody to call me, you know. Preacher, call you know. But if you go to Acts 1.15, let's go to Acts. You have to, you have to see this in the Bible. You know, the difference between the Catholic churches and the priests say things than supposed to the scripture, but they're not. The only way to, to, to learn is for us to open the Bible and to read it ourselves. And to see if what they're telling us is true. So you go to your Bibles and go to Acts 1.15. And in that verse, we're not going to read it. But Peter is stood in front. And the Bible said, you know, there's a number right there in, in, in Acts 1.15. Somebody has it? How many are? Are you here? Oh, they said that it was 120 in number. Thank you so much. There's somebody alive this morning. 120. So how did, how did they know how many there were in the meeting? Someone was counting. Okay, you know, so they said there were 120. 
Don't forget about that number. Go with me to Acts 241. And, and you know, and Brother Darrell will give you prices, the first one to read it. <laughs> Acts 241. I'm putting him in trouble. Or maybe I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> Acts 241. And there's another number, number right there. Acts 241. Who has it? Oh. It says, uh, and at the end of the meeting, three, how many they were baptized that day? There were 120, and then there were 3,000 people. How they, how Luke will, the, the, I'm sure he went and asked, hey, do you, do you know how many were baptized? Man, can you imagine 3,000 people being baptized, you know? I'm sure there were several pastors there, you know. It was like a washing machine, you know. You know. Oh, let's give it twice because, you know. Still have some sins there, you know. But 3,000 people, you know, so somebody was counting. Amen? Continue. Acts 2.47. It says, and the Lord added to the church every day those who were to be saved. And in the early church, you know, it says in Acts 2.47, then the Lord added every day. In the early church, there was an expectation of growth. It was an attitude. It was like, hey, we have to. We have to grow. We have to multiply. And he says, every day. If you go to Acts 4.4. Go with me to Acts 4.4. Hechos 4.4 in Spanish. Acts 4.4. There's another number right there. How many? Oh, wow. Did that is increasing or decreasing? Right? He says, first we talk about 120, then there was 3,000. Now he says, but many of those who hear the word believe, and the number of the men, of the men was about, of only the men's were about 5,000. And in that time, they didn't count women and children. But if we add women and children, then normally churches have more women than men's. That's, that's normally. You know, theologians believe estimate that this church, the church in Jerusalem, have around 20,000 people. Um, this was a very big church. And we have seen in this verse that somebody was counting how many. And you know, it's true. We know we, we, we're not about numbers. But if somebody was counting, and if we seen this in the book of Acts, then supposedly it's like the manual for the church, I think the Lord is telling us something. And, uh, you know, uh, this was a very big church, and that's our example. Acts 5, 14 says, and those who believe in the Lord increase more in great number of men as well as women. We must count people because people count to God. A church that count people, you know, I'm hoping if you don't see your friend today, if you don't see a brother from a small group, you'll be worried. You'll call him as you go back home and you check that everything is okay. Hey, the early churches gave us the example Then, you know, they were, they were really worried about everybody. A group that keeps account of those who attend and of those who miss and it's interesting in them shows that everybody counts for them. You know, when somebody doesn't show up in our small group, 
I'm sure we, we, we pray for him, we call him, we find out what happened. But if we don't care, you know, we're, we're, you know if we don't care, you know, we're never going to multiply. Our group is never going to grow. So, you know, for multiplication, it has to be an attitude and a desire for growing. And the church in the book of Acts, we can see that increasingly they were growing and multiplying. They were not only, you know, statically thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're here and, and everything is hard and nobody wants to hear the word. You know, everything was against the early church. Everything. The, it, was not, it was not simple persecution. They were literally killed them, but still they were growing. You know, for being multiplication, number three, it has to be a passion and an obedience for discipleship. Nothing is going to happen. If we don't learn, if we don't obedient, you know, to discipleship. Matthew 20, 28 says, As the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, but to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, and he can say, we can say Jesus says, Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve us and to give his life. As a ransom for many. Matthew 28, 19 says, go therefore and make disciples. Can you say that word, disciple? Can you say it again? Disciple? What is that? I think it's a big misconception about disciple and discipleship, you know. Because Jesus didn't say, go there and invite people to church, right? There's nothing wrong. Don't quit doing it. Don't tell Brother Drew, hey, Brother Elvis told us not to do it. Because this will be my last preaching. <laughs> it's not to run, but that's, that's not the Great Commission. You know, Jesus didn't say, go and give a, brochure, a church brochure to somebody. And sometimes we're even scared about giving a tract or a brochure to somebody, right? We, we take out that, that evangelistic literature, you know, our hand is shaking, and, you know, we give that and we run. Afraid that they may ask us somebody. Afraid that they may say somebody. But you know, the Great Commission it says, Go ye and make disciples. And my brothers and sisters, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm glad to be in South City. Because this church, I don't know about others, but this church, you know, you should know we are in the mission of reaching others. And um, if you are going or want to be part of this church, you should know. You know, I have experienced things in this church that I have never experienced. Last year, you know, we're like, we're not going to have service Sunday. We're going to go to houses. <gasps> wow. You know, can we do that? Jesus. And, you know, he never said that the church was the building. I have preached it all my life, but when we think about that, you know, when we put tables in the church, you're like, oh, what is going on? And you know, um, we have to realize, my brothers and sisters, that our church, South City Church, is about, is we, this church is about to reach the lost. And, you know, you have problems You're not going to feel comfortable here because 
Brother Drew, and we're going to be preach that continually, and we'll heal that, and we'll say that a lot and a lot and a lot. Why? Because the world is dying. You know, Jesus says he have, you know, when, when he saw the multitudes, then they were scattered. You know, the Bible says then, then Jesus have compassion for them. And the society we live today, my brothers and sisters, it works everything for you to have to be less and less compassionate. Discipleship is a process. It's a process of, the, first, it's a process of decision. It has to, it has to know about Jesus. It's a decision process. It's a relationship process. And it's a maturity process. He has to know about Jesus. But somebody has to help them to grow. It's a relationship process. You know, uh, God didn't create uh, humans to be scattered, to be alone. To be a human is to be a social you know, it's, it's to be a social entity. God created us to talk to others. And even if, if we talk far because of this virus, the Lord created us to talk to others. Um, discipleship is a decision process. It's a relationship process. And it's a maturity process. The Lord expects us to mature and to grow. Discipleship is the, pe- the person discovering, the person growing, and the person committing. Discipleship is a process of learning. It's a, it's a process of receiving because it gives you purpose. And then it's a process of giving because it teaches you to worship. You know, nobody can worship truly if he hasn't learned to serve the Lord. You can sing, but sing is not worship. And uh, somebody who worships really the Lord is because he knows him deeply. Uh, when we are in small groups, I always ask people, what is God for you? And normally when you ask that question, people will give you uh, answers about what he has gave them. Like, he is my savior, and it's true, but he is my healer. He is the one who feeds me. He is the one who blessed me. But very, very rare people say like, well, he is, you know, uh, uh, explanation like in Revelations 1 when, well, he says, well, you know, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega and he is the firstborn of creation. And, you know, Psalm is full of great uh, descriptions about God. We just know God because he gave us things. We don't really know God. You know, we, we don't really know who he is and, and, and how he thinks and what he wants. And that's discipleship. So, you know, multiplication is not going to happen if it's not discipleship. Discipleship is invest my life in somebody else. It's very simple for that. It doesn't mean, well, it includes to have a certain Bible study, you know. Every week or, or, or whatever, but uh, a, but you know, it's to it's to it's to spend life with somebody, and that's discipleship. That's what Jesus did for three years. He knew he was. I just have three years to be here, so I have to gather twelve and have to invest my life with them because I'm living. 
And um, that's discipleship. So for multiplication to happen in this church, we have to. We have to. It's not an option. And we have to be obedient. I was thinking when I was writing this part, I was thinking like, what we do to our songs where we're disobedient to us? That's not happy for us, right? So if, if, if us as parents, we don't like that our kids are disobedient to us, why we are disobedient to God? Why we don't care about his command? Why we don't care about go ye and make disciples? You know, that's, that's an order for us. And we have to care about that. When there is multiplication, social change is going to occur in our lives. It's going to happen in your lives. You know, for multiplication to happen, it has to be prayer. It has to be an attitude of growth. You want to. You want to. If you're here satisfied because, you know, we're just a few, I'm not. I, and personally, I'm telling you, it makes me mad. And I'm going to do whatever is in me to resolve that. And, I, and I'm praying and hoping you'll feel uncomfortable too. A Christian with a passion in his heart is not going to feel happy. When... You know, when you go outside and it's thousands, millions of people somewhere else. And we're just a few here. There's a problem. Something is wrong with us. So we have to have a desire, an attitude, a concern for growth. It has to be obedience for discipleship. But also social change is going to happen for multiplication. Are you still with me? Are you wake up? Are you up? Yes, just Daryl is up. It's impossible to grow without changing. Nothing, change is not static. You know, I, I told you that there are three eternal things in, in, in the universe. God is eternal, his word is eternal, and the soul of man is eternal. The word of God doesn't change. But how, how we understand it and how we are obedient to that, 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 that that change. When Jesus began his process of multiplication, he knew nothing will happen if his followers don't change his habits, his values, his priorities, his social circle. You're not gonna, you're not gonna quit sinning if you continue to hang out with the wrong people. It doesn't matter how much you cry and how much you pray, you will continue to have a, a horrible and a nasty life for the lack of vocabulary. If you continue to hang out with the same people. So for you to grow, it has to be social change. You cannot hang out with the same people if you want to sanctify your life to the Lord. It's impossible. And, and, and so uh, when Jesus started, he knew. And, that, and there's several examples in Scripture. In Luke 5, 1 through 11, when Jesus called Simon Peter... And if you follow me in Scripture, Luke 5, 1 through 11 says, Now it happened while the multitude pressed on him and heard the word of God that he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And I'm reading verse 2 of Luke 5. He saw two boats standing by the lake. Just see how much intentional was Jesus. There were two boats. And the Bible says, 
Um, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the boats, boats which was Simon. Oh, Jesus was so intentional, you know. He was like, there's two boats, but I'm interested in Simon. You know, they, they can be many friends that work with you, but maybe there's one who needs you more. You have to step up in that boat. Continue to read with me. And he says, and ask him to put, out a little, uh, to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. So Jesus stepped up in, in Simon's boats and started teaching. All this was intentional, you know. I'm sure Peter was, you know, he was, he was a fisherman. But he was hearing, you know, what Jesus was saying. And um, when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon... Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we have worked all night and took nothing. And you're talking with professional fishermen here. You know, Peter was like, Lord, you preach great, but, you know, I know what I'm doing. I have been doing this all night. And, um, and he says, but, I, but at your word I will let down my net. When they had done this, they caught a great multitude of fish, and their net was breaking. They beckoned, they beckoned their partners and the other boat, and they should come and help them. They came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. For he was amazed. And all who were with him at the catch of fish. Think about it. It was Peter. There were some others. But only Peter took a different decision. Um, and also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything I'm sure you have read this scripture before. They left everything and followed him. How somebody can do this? Well, there's people who have done that. But, but you know, the, all this story is a discipleship. He, Jesus was intentional. Jesus, Jesus teach to the ears of Simon. And then Simon started to see and understand how great was God. So Simon recognized there was no better way to experience life than with Jesus. My brothers and sisters, for multiplication, it has to be social change. Because things change when we are disciples. Uh, sadly to say, friends change. Uh, relationships change. Vision change. Again, we... Probably we used to think about us, but when Jesus comes to our life, he gave us purpose and he started to see, open your eyes. There's people getting lost. And if you don't understand that, maybe Jesus is not in your heart. If you're still only thinking about you, maybe you have to receive Jesus today. In Luke 19, 8, says, And Zacchaeus, standing up, says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, I will give half of my goods to the poor, and, I have, if, and if I have the fraud anyone in anything, I will give it back to them quadruplet. 
he was rich, but he, you know, Zacchaeus was a thief, and he, he loved money. But when Jesus comes to our lives, social change, you know. Why, why Zacchaeus didn't say, think about this, Zacchaeus, why, why he didn't say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to go start and, and do evangelism. Why he didn't say things like that? Why Zacchaeus didn't say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to go and start discipling others and visiting others with you. Social change occurs. It's natural. Your life changed, not only inside, but outside. Um, there's three words that I wanted to talk to you to finish. Um, and I don't know if we were able to put it, you know, that graphic that we fight with Brother Naomi. If it's not, it's okay, but... You know, independency, dependency, and interdependency. And some of you may have read about this, uh, you know, a, a, in a book. But uh, talking about social change, when we start our, our, our Christian walk at the beginning, we are, we, we think, or we are independent people. And this is the lowest level of maturity. is the ego level. I can do everything um, I don't need anybody. I'm an independent person. I don't need nobody to help me. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, is, this is the level of I can do everything. This, is, this level is from a spiritual child. And it doesn't matter if we're 50 or 60 years old, we can be in that level. Um, this person hasn't realized that he needs to be guided by somebody. Romans 3.12 says they have all gone astray together and become corrupted. There is no one who does good. There is no one. And even if I consider that level, I, I think there's an even lower level. And I didn't put it there, but spiritual immaturity. And, and I call it, you know, and it's called it anarchy. For me, that's even a lower level. You know, anarchy is... Uh, it's been understood as a social struggle that justifies any means, including violence, to eliminate any type of authority, power, or mandate. So that no human being can exercise leadership or relationship over others. In other words, you know, anarchy is I'm my own God. You know, no one can tell me what to do. I can choose to do whatever I want. And I don't know if those words resound to you these days. But this is the lower level of, of, mature, of Christian maturity. The medium level of spiritual maturity is dependence. A disciple is dependence of others. And if we continue to see that in the screen, that's fine. Just leave it there. Um, you know, he, he, he's in the process. He depends on a teacher. Uh, he depends on the church. It's not an option. This level is a realization to maturity. It is the beginning. It's the beginning to wake up and reflect that although I can do what I want, I choose to follow. I choose to learn someone. I choose to learn from someone because I am in the process of maturity. I am in the process of discipleship. This is not vain or trivial. It's not to decide what restaurant I'm going to eat today or which movie I'm going to watch. Because we think the church, and, and you know, we think about that in the church, and 
and, and my brothers and sisters, because even now I am a U.S. citizen, I have so people all over Latin America and some other parts of the world crying, walking miles uh, in, in heat, um, walking just to go to church, just to worship the Lord. And here we have all, all everything that we can eat. And we take that for granted. It's, it, I cannot understand that in my mind. Um, it's, it's, it's very sad. And so the, this medium level is, you know, we, we understand that we, we have to depend on somebody. I consciously choose to follow and depend on Jesus. And those that Jesus put in my path to guide me. You remember, the first level is independence. Nobody going to tell me what to do. But when you're in the middle, when you're being a disciple, it doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means that you understand now you have to be a disciple. You have to. Why? Because if you don't learn how to do it, you cannot do it with others. But the highest level, the interdependence level, is when we start to think and talk, not about me, but about us together. It's when we start to think as a team. It is when we stop saying, I'll go to church, and when we say, I am part of the church. It's when we, when we stop saying, the church, and we begin to say, my church. And as a mature disciple, I cooperate with others. And I'm not only ones who receive, but I'm the one who give to others. I continue to learn because we're never going to stop learning. But now I am teaching. I am interdependently collaborating with others in the advancement of the kingdom. I am giving but I am teaching others to give. I am attending, but I am bringing others to attend. I am still learning, but I am leading others to learn as well. I'm no longer just a receiver, but I'm a giver. I'm a sender. And you can be 50, 60, 70 years old and still be spiritually immature. Having only the desire to receive. Having only the desire to learn. Oh, I think the church is... To teach me, and oh, let me tell you, brothers, the church in North America, it, there's no way in the world, and, and I, I, I truly can say that, there's no church in the world who, has, who is more developed in every aspect than the church in the United States. Everything has been taken to the top of the top. Um. But that has made us just receivers. Just give me, give me, give me. I want more, and we're never satisfied. Um, but the interdependent is the one who gives himself, and that's the one who truly worships. When you, when you give yourself, you truly start to worship the Lord. You know, people will say, oh, worship us. Oh, the, the, the worship was good today. Worship is not music. You know, worship is about, we worship the Lord daily. It's about what we give to him. For multiplication to happen, a new heart is needed. Ezekiel 36, 20 says this, 
Furthermore, I will give you a new heart. Can you think about this scripture as I'm finished? Furthermore, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take away the heart of stone. Because some of us, I'm here right now and I'm like, man, I'm boring. I'm ready to go. I hope that's not your heart. Because there are, you know, there, there are Hispanics and other minorities worrying more about your country than you. That is tragic. That is sad. This, this great country, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot of us like, I love my country. I, 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 you know, this, my country is great. Well, let's, let's give this country, let's bring this country back to Jesus again. The best you can give to this country is Jesus Christ. And there are others more worried about this country than you. I don't understand that. Ezekiel 36, 27 continues saying, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my status and carefully observe my ordinance. He says, I will put my spirit, but first you have to have a new heart. Because nothing, you know, if our heart is... If our heart is like this, it sounds like this, nothing is going to go through there. And you'll hear preaching after preaching, year after year, and you will never care because your heart is made of stone. And you will see people outside dying and need, and you're not going to care. So Ezekiel is telling us, I will give you my spirit if you have a new heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take away the heart of stone for you, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Why we think so much about us? Because our heart is corrupted. The Bible tells us that. And we need to ask Jesus. And if it's going to be multiplication here in Southwest Literal, one of the areas with more uh, needs in the whole city. It has to start with our heart. It has to start with us today. There's a difference between knowing God, knowing about God, and knowing God. You can know everything about an artist and never meet him. You know, you can go to the football field, know all the rules, and never play. There are many believers who know a lot about Christianity but have never really played. There are many Christian players who have, taught, who, who have taught them the rules since they were born. But yet they have never scored a goal for God. And this is why there's no passions today with us. This is, what's the, this is why there's no desire for growing. We know all the rules. But we have never experienced the trophy of, of a Christian that is winning a soul for him. How sad will we play a sport? And never win. I don't want to play that kind of sport, you know. Some of us have been playing Christianity for a long time. And we're just bored. You know, a lot of us through the pandemic quit coming. Because we're just, we're just knowing the sport. We have never really experienced passion. And I can say that. And, you know, if you don't like it, you can, you know, you can talk to me at the end. <laughs> A lot of us, we're calling our hearts because we have never win somebody for Christ. 
So you're playing a sport and never winning. What fun is about that? People in sports fight, push, push each other, cry, yell, and even they kill themselves in countries for their teams, for something vain and unimportant. We have lost desire to play this, to, to work, to see what Jesus has for us. Having a different heart will move you. It doesn't, you know... Having a different heart will make you want to not only learn more, but also serve more. You know, and we have to win the world, but we can do it one step at a time. You know how we can win this community for Jesus? One person at a time. Starting with you this week. Because some of us say, oh, well, Jesus says, go here and preach in all the world and that's, too, that's, you know, that's a huge task. Well, let's start with you today. Let's start with me today. Let's start with us next week. If multiplication is going to happen. Man, I believe, my brothers, the Lord has gave us, you know, when, when, when you start a church, the hardest, hardest thing is when you get to the building program. Oh, man, because it's a new church. They don't have money. They normally get in debt to get a building, and it takes months, and you know, I have no churches to change and move. The Lord has gave us already a huge campus, and I believe with all my heart, He wants us to fill this campus for His glory. Not for us, but for His glory. I believe the Lord has gave us a lot of empty chairs today, because He wants He wants us to have a, a, a heart, a flesh heart. And he wants us to be this, have this comfort. And he wants us to think and say, you know, I have just played. I, I know all the rules about Christianity, but I have never really make a goal for Jesus. And I, I think I have lost, you know, I just come because I come all my life. You know, it has become a religion. It's not a relationship anymore. I believe with all my heart, my brothers and sisters, that Jesus wants us to grow and multiply. And he started with me, and he started with you today. The United States has always been the number one sending country in the world. Sending missionaries overseas. Sending help everywhere. If you love this country, in the moment we are right now, this country needs you. And most important, Jesus needs you. And you know, we can say, well, Jesus doesn't need anybody. But you know what? He's not going to come again to preach. He, 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 he did that. He's coming back for another reason. And he's coming soon. Somebody asked me one time, why Jesus didn't, and I've said this a thing before, why Jesus didn't use angels to, to preach his gospel? He has gave us the privilege to us, to us. 
This country needs you today more than ever. Jesus needs you today more than ever. But we have to ask that prayer of Ezekiel. God, give me a heart of flesh. Then my heart is not going to sound like this. But it will be a living thing. It will be a thing who will cry. When see people need. It will be a heart who will suffer for others. Do you really have, do you really want a desire for multiplication? It start with us. It start with us today. And you close your eyes, please, and let's have a word of prayer. And if the Lord has spoke to your heart, close your eyes and let's not, let's not make this prayer the same Sunday pray. Then I'll close my eyes and I'm thinking about where I'm going to eat. Then I'm thinking I'm ready to get out of here. Put your heart and your mind in God right now. And just tell him, God, please give me a, give me a sensitive heart. God, please give me a passionate heart. We are in a hard time. And for one reason, the Lord, you have put me in this church. And for one reason, you're talking to me today. I want to respond to you. Change my heart, Jesus. Tell him, change my heart. Forgive me because I always ask about me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Help me to start asking for others, to start worrying about others. That's the beginning of discipleship. That's the beginning of multiplication. With our eyes closed, maybe somebody here who needs to receive Jesus. If you die today, you know you're going to heaven. Well, nobody knows that. But I don't want to play games with my life. It's your life and it's precious. If you die today, do you want to, do you want to go to heaven? Well, you, you, if you don't know, if you say, brother, I really don't know. Well, Jesus knows. And he wants you to know. And you can know if you open your heart today to him, for him. If you want to open to heart, your heart to Jesus, you have to say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I open my heart to you. I open my heart to you as a Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me. All the things that I have done. I want you to help me change the way I have been living. Help me to learn how to be a disciple so I can disciple others. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to pray.